there. I know we're waiting for Stu. Yes, we're always waiting for Stu. But let's begin, if that's all right. Sure, yeah. Just because you are in the pub and you don't wait for the third person in the pub. You get the drinks in as soon as possible, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. It would be inhuman not to. And indeed, the man has shown up, so I shall let him into the football library admitting to a horrific oversight because a library doesn't usually have a public house next to it but it occurs to me that the football library does need a place to imbibe and quaff so uh, my first question surrounding this book the roaring red front what is the pub going to be called next to the football <laughs> library uh that's uh, yeah that's uh, i don't know uh, red lion Oh no! I I like shirk rest and play, as a as a ah. pub name. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we have the shirkers rest the sh- in in New Cross. Oh, oh, hence the book title. Yes, the only li- so you are the only living boy in New Cross. In that case, <laughs> you one, can say that. <laughs> one for the kids. Um, but yes. Um, if you if you do want to see Stuart McGill, who is here, I am here. Yes, yes. How are you doing? Yes, and uh, Vincent, is it raison raisin? Raisin's fine. Yeah, raison when I'm in Paris. Yeah, when or or indeed Saint Ouen. Uh, yes, Saint Ouen. Yes, Saint Ouen. Oh, Saint-Ouen. really? Yeah. Oh, so it's yes. not like Rouen. It's when. Oh, it's uh, okay. No. I'll bear that in mind. More like Saint Ouen, I think. Yeah, which they made very clear to us it is not really Paris. Precisely. Samhain is where Red Star play. Not Rouge Etoile, Red Star. Why is it not Rouge Etoile yeah. or Krevner's Red Star? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, they were founded as Red Star by Jules Rimet, uh, after whom the First World Cup was named. Myth is that his, uh, his, his housekeeper or someone like that was English, and she suggested the name of, of the club. And yeah, they've, so they've never been Etoile Rouge. Mm. They've always been Red Star. Uh, and Red Star are one of the 11 clubs who make your first 11 of uh, left-wing clubs. Um, but I wanted to ask, do you both have this book that the kids who support the club get that's full of quotes and um, philosophy? Yeah, I do, yes. Uh, they kindly sent me one, and I treasure it, actually. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful little thing. Well, I'm going to have um... to ask for one for the football library which is where we are uh we're talking on october 10 which is the day a book called the defiant comes out by chris lee uh who um does the outside right website but you are is it i thought he was outside left oh okay outside right cool no although he he is left leaning and certainly his book is about anti-fascism which is very left leaning now before we go anywhere else what is left wing is it radical socialism is it that division is more common than your unity and division are to be looked at? What is left wing to someone who writes, say, for the Morning Star? Well, I do write for the Morning Star. You do. And to me, left wing would be something... Uh, there is a wide definition, there's a more narrow definition. The people like me would be acceptance of the basic principles of Marxism uh, and to a certain extent Leninism as well. Uh, to someone like Vince, who is off the left, and say some of the people in Dulwich Hamlet, it would be a greater an expression of the idea that nobody wins unless everybody wins. Uh, that a certain level of fairness, 
has to uh, underlie the way we run our society and also a certain level of inclusivity as well, as in anti-fascism. There are a variety of people support the clubs that we, uh, that we cover, and there's a variety of opinions across those people. Including clubs that don't declare themselves left-wing, which brings to mind, I don't know which of you uses it, but is humanitarianism going to be left-wing? I, I think it's sad. It's really sad that we're at this point of human history where wanting to help a fellow man is seen as taking sides, supporting the idea of um, no racism in the world, which is built on classism and racism, is, is left-wing. Do you think people just need a villain and they invent straw men and women? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think people have often already made up their minds which side of the divide they want, they want to, to be on. Uh, and often... These, these kind of subjects, yeah, they're, they're, they're made divisive, by not by the, the humanitarian acts, but by the way they're looked at um, by people on, on, on one side or the other, usually on the right wing. If they, if they see humanitarian acts as somehow divisive, then it's probably, it probably reflects their own view rather than the acts themselves. Would the no-mean-city derby between Napoli United and United Glasgow, which has been crowdfunded this year, would that be ostensibly left-wing? And would it still be left-wing if the goal was to make a lot of money for, let's call them, 777 partners who have invested in Red Star? Uh, The Derby, uh, United Glasgow were just basically pro-refugee. They've got no particular political philosophy. They exist to help people. And again, it gets back to the attitude, if you're helping people, particularly people that don't look or sound like yourself, uh, is that left wing? Um, To some people, it will be. And I would say most of the people behind United Glasgow will be, broadly speaking, of the political left, because hell, most people in Glasgow are. Uh, The Napoli United Fund is a much more specifically left wing. The guys I know there, uh, they're much more left wing, like say, I would be. Uh, regarding the making money for the Red Star people, Vince, over to you. You are the Red Star man. Good. <laughs> it remains to be seen what happens with uh, 777 uh, Partners and, and Red Star. Obviously, there's a, 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 a faction of the, the fans that are not happy that they've been taken over by you know a, a large US investment firm, uh, which kind of makes them part of a network of clubs, you know, they have a very clear identity, uh, Red Star. They do represent their area, and it's a hotbed of, of football talent. And they, they worry that, uh, you know, having having big money behind them won't necessarily see them flourish on the field, but it may see some of their, their academy stars move within that network to other clubs. Um, yeah, and those clubs so, are yeah. Genoa, Sabia and Standard Liège. I read Daniel Storey's piece about them and he contrasted, as you do, Red Star. Um, a quarter of the population of San Wen are immigrants. Um, David Bellion, ex-Man United, wants clubs to steal their community idea of um, football being just the way in, like a, a gateway drug for other things. And Vince, you were one of the first ever visitors to the club shop. If Triple Seven Partners wanted to make money, would they... Uh, find resistance with the people who run the club shop, perhaps. I think the I think the club shop are kind of you know are the 
closely aligned with the club. I don't, uh, and I think the um, yeah the, the current managers have invited seven 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 along because they couldn't really get investment for the club from from the city, uh, and the ground certainly needed it. There was only one side open when we went, but they wanted to stay where they were. They wanted to have the same grounds, keep their identity. So I don't, I don't think the club will be against uh, making money at all. They do, you know, they are a very kind of hip, romantic club, uh, and um, yeah, you can see there's uh, they could be marketed very well, um, but that's hard to do when you're in the third division. Just going to say it's important to point out that making money is inherently not a terrible thing in itself. It's what you do with the money, and to a certain extent, uh, do you use the money to propagate the values? The president of San Paoli, who Vince interviewed, uh, was very clear. He wants the club to be successful. He wants the club to keep on making money from the merchandise, buy decent players, and show that you can be successful uh, with that ethos and with that model of how a club should be run. And I think that's fair enough. And St. Pauli is where we're going next, the world's top left-wing football clubs, written by Stuart McGill, an Everton fan. And uh, you've used the name Vincent Raison, but I prefer Dirty South, which is the name you use in the podcast. Interestingly, about a year ago or a year and a half, I realised that a lot of podcasts are pubcasts. They literally are pub conversations with a microphone. Uh, And uh, you've produced a couple of books, Shirk, Rest and Play is the new one, which is an illustrated way of how to be a a shirker, a gadabout, a flaneur. And um, one thing I, I get from this book is that you love drinking and that the football seems to be a distraction from the drinking. So when you go to Hamburg for the third in your series of four launch events for the book, is it just an excuse for a piss-up in the brat with some bratwurst? <laughs> well, uh, I'd say no, because I, you know it's very exciting to be doing a book launch in the St. Pauli Museum. Um, you know, they really are the daddy of, uh, of left-wing football clubs. Uh, so that, yeah, that will be very exciting in itself. It's a shame there's not a game on, um, but it does mean that we'll have more time to spend in the Shabin, perhaps, or the Jolly Roger. I mean, you, you mentioned that, but it's um, everywhere we went, it was very hard for us to buy a drink, in Hamburg in particular. Uh, as Stuart was outside the club shop with a half-and-half half scarf of St. Pauli and Celtic and, was imme- and immediately met someone who'd just been to Celtic, who's a St. Pauli fan, um, who took us to his bar, which we would never have found. You know, it's one of those kind of backstreeters that only the kind of locals know. Uh, and, yeah, we were, you know, fed beer and Mexicanas, which are like like uh, Bloody Mary shots. They come with every every beer. And we couldn't put our hands in our pockets, could we? It was difficult. And, of course, drinking and having a good time and socialisation is a fundamental part of the football experience. If you hadn't have gone to that funny wee pub, uh, obviously called the Bulldog, you wouldn't have met Silverio and we wouldn't have had the unique insight into the Cosenza culture, football culture and otherwise that we got through our relationship. So, uh, yeah, going for a beer chatting with the locals, getting pissed with the locals is a fundamental part of uh, the book and the book would be much poorer without. Here, here, and uh, we're talking three days before you go to Champion Hill to launch it at Dulwich Hamlet. Uh, the perils of success are underlined in this chapter. I was at Wealdstone yesterday because Watford ladies play there and I realised that you can't bring alcohol 
in sight of the pitch at Wealdstone because they're a conference club, National League. If uh, Dulwich go up, it means that they will join that level. Um, and 50% of their income is from alcohol sales. So you have to temper your success. You have to effectively do what Vitesse did and never qualify for the Champions League because it means that your presence there will be not welcome because Chelsea own a majority share in you. So do you feel sorry for Dulwich Hamlet? Definitely, yes. I mean, there is a price to success for them, although they are at the wrong end of the table. So I think they're, they're, any promotion dreams can be put aside for, for a little while and they can carry on boozing. But actually... You know, I went Saturday against Dartford and it was a, a sellout. Uh, it's nearly three and a half thousand people, which is a lot for the sixth tier of, of football. But even that success brings with it some a side that uh, that, that perhaps they they, uh, they don't enjoy, which is is people who aren't so much interested in 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 the game and are just interested in uh, in having a drink and support sort of league clubs and try and get the songs going that every other club sings and and it's all it's all a bit you know it, it, it affects the atmosphere somewhat so i think yeah success is bound to uh bring with it some downsides um but yeah they're not going up anytime soon interesting so which was the club where one of you tutted about the choreographed nature of football fandom was it st Pauli? yeah that was me i find it a little bit irritating that you go into the south curb and yeah, you have to join in. If you don't put your hands up and clap and you don't link arms and do the jumping up and down, people get a little bit cross at you. Uh, so there was that element there which uh, did tick me off slightly, but it was still a very good experience and people were in the main very welcoming. But there is a, a tendency in the ultra culture, not just in St. Pauli, uh, and a tendency in the most of group of most groups to take themselves a little bit too seriously, uh, and that's why I vaguely chatted at that. But it was still a great time to be there. Yeah, and Sven Brooks is even critical of the effing students and the gentrification of the fan base. I think this supports my theory that um, politi- politics is a circle, not a line, because you have extreme right wing people and extreme left wing people. And they're only separated by 0.1 of a degree. If the left wing is 0.1 of a circle and the right wing is 359.9 of the circle, rather than them being separated either side of a line, I hope you see what I'm getting at. Because this, this is my political theory, because I hate politics. It's horrible. It divides people. It doesn't unite them. And we're seeing that with football at the moment and business football, which we'll get on to. But does my theory have weight? You have these kind of ultra groups who want things done in a certain way and who elevate their own importance. And then at the same time, they're decent people who want the best for you, whatever you are. And the Von Laden in St. Pauli will welcome you because you've got blood and you like a good time. Yeah, I don't uh, buy it regarding the extreme left wing and the extreme right wing. I think I'm pretty much under dirt. Many people would call me extreme left wing, and I have nothing in common with the extreme right wing whatsoever. There can be certain levels of uh, lack of toleration and certain levels of zeal uh, that can sometimes close your ears to other arguments. But I think you get that across all shades of the political spectrum, to be honest. Uh, No, I I think that, uh, yeah, the ultra movement can take itself too seriously. And sometimes their political views are coloured more by tribalism uh, than by 
a thoughtful view of a situation. Uh, but uh, Red Star, St. Pauli, Dulwich Hamlet, uh, Napoli United, uh, they all do the right thing, are keen to do the right thing and set a very good example to the people that come to watch the club. I talk in the book somewhere about a, uh, a friend of my son who went to West Ham very early on and, I mean, he had a good start, this kid, but he turned into a right dickhead through spending a hell of a lot of time with West Ham fans of a certain nature. Had he gone to Dulwich Hamlet down the road, he would have a different view and a whole uh, different set of male role models. The same, if he went to St. Pauli, he would have come out as a good individual. If he'd gone to SB Hamburger, where there is a much more right-wing pro-Nazi element, that would have changed it. I was, thank you for that. I was really taken by the chapter on Palestino. I felt embarrassed that I didn't know that there was a big Palestinian community community in Santiago. There's a fantastic meeting with Mayor Daniel. I'm going to go for Jadue, though it could be Jadu. Jadu, Jadu, yeah. It is Jadu. Uh, but the, the line that really leapt out, and this was based on notes that I think, McGill, you made uh, a few years ago. Chile is a rich country full of poor people. A rich, I'm going to go with James O'Brien. A rich country full of poor people. Now, I, I don't know what that makes me think of, but I'm in Watford and you're both in the UK. Do you think uh, Daniel could become like mayor of London? Do you think his politics would agree? London, he was basically a left-wing stronghold. I've heard Lewisham referred to as the People's Republic of Lewisham, um, though that might have been Citizen Smith, actually. Um, so could, could the politics of Santiago and Chile cross over to the UK? Yeah, Jadu was an interesting guy. He's the communist mayor up in a place called Recoleta, which is northern Santiago. Uh, this is a rough part of the world by any standards. He gets about 65% of the vote there. He has a, he's a guy with a strong personal following. Uh, and what he does, and I think this is an example to all politicians everywhere, he doesn't spend his time in the college talking to intellectuals, doesn't spend his time on the net uh, conversing with like-minded people. He goes out, even though he's mayor, he goes out and he speaks to people on a regular basis. I think Jadu possibly could, uh, someone like him could become mayor of London, but uh, many bad things will have, have to happen to London first. To get people to vote for the left and get behind the left, historically it has to be after major trauma. And Chile, of course, has been through various major trauma because Pinochet fell, perhaps, but... Uh, Cutting a long historical story short, all the money was taken by a relatively small number of people, uh, justified by the crazy doctrines of Milton Friedman, uh, and you ended up with a country, one of the wealthiest countries in the planet, with a bunch of people on the backside, and now a seriously bad homeless crisis too. Well, Sounds I familiar. Yeah, I, I think uh, leaving a block of 27 nations and committing financial Harry Kiri, but let's not talk politics so much. And this book, I think, treads the line brilliantly between advancing the Marxist-Leninist theory and having a great time. And you do so in Cadith. Sorry, it's not Cadith. I knew I'd made that mistake. Why have I made a mistake there? Um, you didn't say Cadith. I can't believe I did that. And I put the accent on the K. Cadiz. Cadiz. It's, it's, and it's like Kaddish, which is the memorial prayer you say in Hebrew. Cadith, um, where the, uh, the the football team holds the city holds a majority stake in its energy supplier, and the most famous native is someone from El Salvador called Magico Gonzalez, uh, whom even Maradona loved. Are there like photos of Magico lying about? Oh 
yes, and yeah, there's a mural in the ground. You know, he's, you know, even the kids who are growing up now, um, following Cardiff, they will have all seen the YouTube videos of, of his spectacular goals. You know, he was, he was one of one of those crowd pleasing players um, that that you cherish as as a fan. Everybody knows Magico. Um, he's is uh, an absolute legend of the city, and yet. That that's given about a page because uh, you give more time to the meeting with the ultras. Cardiff is where you start. It's number one. Did you arrange the uh, eleven in a particular way? You you end with Boca, Liverpool, somewhere in the middle, and you go Cardiff, Rio Vallecano, St. Pauli, Bohemians, nineteen oh five, Liverpool, Detroit City, Dulwich Hamlet, Casenza, Red Star, Palestino, Boca. So did you do it in a particular way, and did you agree on an order? Well, I think Stuart ended up in uh, South America, you know, while we were still sort of finalising the early parts of the book. So it kind of that had to be last, really, yes, you know, it did. Yeah, in yeah. a way. But we all, we we liked the idea of of, uh, of finishing in South America, having go, gone through Europe. Um, I don't quite know, can't quite remember why we um, started in in Cardiff, other than we had just such a bloody great time there, and it just seemed, it just seemed a uh, you know, it seemed like a sunny opening to to the book. And also that the bathos then of going to Vallecas, where McGill, you queued all day waiting to get a ticket for a phantom seat. Was a phantom seat, strangely enough. Some of my bad vibes must have communicated itself to the person giving me a ticket because it was a seat basically on a stair, as far as I could make out. But lucky enough, like many of these grounds, you get a seat number, but nobody really gives a bugger. So I went in and said, Where do I sit? And the guy said, Basically, where you can, donde pueda, mm. which just shows also that the subjunctive mood still lives on in Spanish, which is nice for grammar heads. Uh, and I just sat down and had a good time. So, well, was it? And I met some nice new friends in the queue as well. Yeah. Uh, I've spoken <laughs> to Robbie Dunn, and you, you mentioned Robbie in the book. It reminds that you, Vallecas, of Elephant and Castle, population 300,000. So I like the verisimilitude, because I've been to Elephant and Castle. It is much like Watford, a roundabout uh, with the town inside it. Um, but I like that chapter. The Bohemians chapter was great about how the club mascot is a kangaroo and how Penenka is the president. Penenka, one of only two people to have had a move named after them in football. Oh, are we talking about the Cruyff turn? Yeah, the Cruyff turn and the Penenka. No one refers to yeah. the kind of Zidane twist or the no. Mbappe sprint. So it, it's brilliant. Uh, Vince, you were impressed by Bohemians fans. 3,500 of them who had a laugh smoking some marijuana. Uh, the crack is the glory. How many left-wing clubs seem to make the crack the main thing? Yeah, a, a great many of them do. You know, there's a, there is a lot of booze and weed and music that, that binds them. And, and, and some of them actually came into it through music. I think the Detroit City fans... Uh, well, kind of yelled around punk and scar they, uh, before, before they even had a club to support. Um, and yeah, definitely good times are uh, yeah, a part of the experience. Yeah, the Detroit City chapter was great. Five guys formed the club in 2012. Fans would wear skull face masks because being in Detroit, which I've seen that Julian Temple film, which is, it's scary, the neglect shown towards Detroit. And I read a Ben Markovitz book about it was a fiction book, but it was based on fact, how to get people back in the houses of a city like Detroit. Did you get the sense that 
cities like Detroit and Hamburg and Liverpool and St. Wen were ripe for, gosh, what is the word? Not gentrification, because it's more than that, but kind of to to reestablish their former glory, there needs to be investment, but it has to be the right kind of investment. Maybe I'll ask Stuart this. Uh, Shanwen was a pretty well-off area, actually. It's a, it's a, a, a parish suburb. It does, does have its rough aspects, but you got some great antique shops there. you got some very, very nice shops in general, a bunch of good restaurants, and a relatively healthy-looking bunch of people. Again, remember, when you look at any part of Europe, you have, and you've been to, say, somewhere like some of the rougher parts of uh, Buenos Aires and Santiago, Everything is relative. That always needs to be remembered. Uh, Liverpool is on the up and up as a city, although it suffers, uh, again, uh, like the rest of us, from being part of the UK, uh, which is suffering from Liz Truss's idiosyncratic ideas about what's good for the economy. The clubs all belong very much to the place. That's something that uh, maybe we could have brought out a little bit more in the book, but uh, you have to see them in terms of the context. Uh, and to understand these clubs, I recommend to anybody get out there and go to the areas and then have a look around the clubs afterwards, uh, particularly Cosenza. Cosenza is a kind of unique place in many ways and, yeah, you need to understand the city a little bit and its history to understand Cosenza. I would have gone and spoken to one of the three cab drivers in Cosenza. <laughs> three! And you talk about... Uh, is it Lucy, your your translator and mate? who um, there's Sarah, a... Sarah. Oh, so that, yes, there's there's a whole farrago about her getting to the airport, and she doesn't want to oh, get yeah. a lift, which was which was as shocking as reading about Miguel stumbling upon the Ultras HQ with the Che Guevara uh, painting, uh, and also Vince introducing us to an oi musician from the band Lumpen. Lumpen, yes. Lumpen, yeah. It was that was a remarkable trip. As, as Stuart mentioned, I just happened to uh, be in a, a pub called the Bulldog, which you don't expect in Calabria, uh, serving um, fantastic ales, from, mostly from Italy, but some from the UK, and running into a, um, a tattooed skinhead called Silverio, who, who uh, and we got chatting, he saw me, he saw that I, I was drinking a pint, assumed I was English, and um, got chatting, and it turned out that he was in Lumpen, and the, the team we were going to see, Casenza, walk out to one of their... Uh, tracks, a version of uh, Sloop John B, which is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, it's a real kind of one of those coincidences that happens on one of those uh, trips. Uh, where, and we got to know Silverio, and he, he uh, spent. He just made us so welcome, and, and made sure we could not remain sober for very long. Yes, he did a good job at that. I thought one. Sorry, Johnny, but one thing I wanted to say here was uh, the ubiquity of British soft power struck us uh, several times on this trip because one of the bands that inspired Lumpen were, I believe, called Totally Pissed. Uh, and the whole way of getting dressed was basically late 70s, early 80s skinhead style. Not the racist skinheads that they became, but the kind of uh, skinheads of the old days that like reggae. And walking around Cardiff, they were very keen to show us a big poster, a big mural they had of handicap. Now, Andy Capter, people like me and Vince, who remember when he first came out, uh, was basically a drunken, bit of a dodgy, racist wife-beater, not by any means a positive role model at all. So we were somewhat surprised to see this. But he represents to the Cadiz fans, and also apparently supporters over in Brazil, 
use him as well as a symbol of the working class football fan who's being neglected by the modern game. Yeah, so uh, a few times you travel, also in South America, uh, Buenos Aires is a, a very British city in some ways too. You get a real feel for the power of, uh, I guess, British stroke English soft power. Which is which is phenomenal. Uh, and don't forget, Karl Marx came up with his Communist Manifesto in Bloomsbury. Bloomsbury and Soho and Euston. And it was it was capitalism. It was printing that got the Communist Manifesto about. So my politics are such that I just I just don't want to be mucked around with. I, I'm living in a building at the moment with cladding issues. Politics can sort this and it is sorting it very slowly. My football club which is run by an Italian who's been there 10 years. Yes, he gave us six years of Premier League football, but there were fans fighting each other, going to Blackpool, which needs their football team to do well. Watford, we've got Harry Potter. We get tourism. It would be nice if the football team did well. But we are not left-wing by any standard, although we have a Conservative um, MP at the moment, a Lib Dem mayor. Watford is a very strange place. It's a bellwether. But don't expect to see Watford anywhere near the roaring red front, the world's top left-wing football clubs, uh, which is published by Pitch, 12.99. There is a tour. You've already been to Belfast. As we speak, you're on the way to Champion Hill and then Hamburg and then up to Glasgow, uh, where I, I guess you're only there because all these drunken Celtic fans that you've been bumping into throughout the, the book, they, they might turn up. I think there'll be a few drunken Celtic fans there, oh, certainly, uh, and a few drunken Rangers fans, and a few people that just want a good time, because the Wicks will be there. Uh, Graham Spears, one of Scotland's more famous journalists, and it will be just a generally good, nice evening out. So if you fancy a trip up to Glasgow, if you can bear to leave Watford, November the 17th. First time I went to Glasgow, I didn't take my wallet. And I went to a gig. It was a Saturday night and I was petrified of going to Socky Hall Street and, and Buchanan Street. Got on the bus on the way back from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Girls Allows had played the SECC, so I was safe. I got back to Edinburgh absolutely perfectly because I studied up there, by the way. So I lived in Edinburgh and went to Glasgow a couple of times. I, I think it's a magnificent city and uh, I'd love to go back there. You'll have a whale of a time. I've been to Liverpool as well, lots of similarities between Glasgow and Liverpool. Uh, there's a really good point, I can't remember whose it was, comparing Bob Paisley and Bill, uh, and Bill Shankly with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix. That was my yes, favourite line yeah. in the book, so thank you for that. The, the Bill Shankly quote about being the best bin man is going to go on the wall of the football library. I'm, I'm hoping to put inspirational quotations like the first step to a successful revolution is uh, destroying the European Super League. Quotes like that. Um, but this, this bin man quote, did that inform your book? Were you hoping to be the best journalist talking about the Roaring Red Front, much like Shanks had talked about being the best bin man? can't claim that uh, you know I'm certainly no Bill Shankly um, I mean we're just uh, we were just happy to be there and, and you know we, had, we did have to work hard on this book but it was so much fun I think we you know it was fun to write it was fun to research um, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any uh, great claims for uh, where we are in the world of writing I disagree. Uh, we did the best. We tried to do something which was fun, informative, and again, had been done before. Uh, and also, uh, teams like Palestino, teams like Bohemian Prague, it's, uh, it gives a useful and interesting prism into the societies uh, from which they emerged. And I hope it will tell people something 
I don't know, I see it as basically uh, a vaguely informative and good fun pissed up travelogue through various parts of the world that tourists don't normally go to. With I'm very a, proud of the book, I'd say. With a brief cameo from Erhan Oztuma, at the back you've got kind of yeah. substitutes. And I've spoken to Erhan, I remember him from the days of Dulwich. Uh, he's about two foot three, and he plays yeah. now for a left wing Turkish club, uh, which is actually I'll, I'll give them a list because I've got the book here. Uh, Veleth Mostar, and I know people who have done some humanitarian work in Mostar, mm. working with the kids there after the the war, and that was a that was yeah. a fantastic chapter. Bahia, Olympique de Marseille, A.K. Athens, Standard Liège, Polonia, Warsaw, uh, Adana, Demirspor. That's um, Erhan's club. Uh, ammonia, 1948. So that's not the Ammonia who played Man U last week. No, they they emerged. They're a breakaway club from that club that played uh, Man United during the week. Yes. Uh, yeah, the fans who felt that they had diverged from, from the, the ethos of the club uh, started again. Uh, and they're, they're climbing through the, the leagues. But the original parent club, yeah, is one of the more successful in Cyprus, and uh, yeah, what an amazing performance! Yeah, they were they were ahead. They will always have one nil up, and their their fans, mm. much like kind of Union Berlin's fans who can't believe where they are at the moment, uh, or St. Mm. Pauli's fans whenever they they win a game and do well. Uh, a nice nice light final question. Hopefully, the Zoom call will uh, allow it. Like football, politics is run on feelings. Why don't people who are angry at the European Super League have the same amount of anger for, let's say, politics since June 2016? Or do they? Yeah, I think football is much more exciting than politics, personally. And people, people are, you know, it is a game of opinions. Uh, and, yeah, sadly, we're so moderate that we have allowed all sorts of uh, indignities uh, in the world of politics. Stuart McGill and Vincent Raisin, the Roaring Red Front, the world's top left-wing football clubs. Uh, and they are uh, in Glasgow on the 17th of November and St. Pauli in Hamburg uh, at their club museum on the 4th of November. The book is out now. Uh, it's the only book that's going to have Oi Punk and Penenka in the same book. It's a magnificent book. It's in, on the shelves of the football library. Uh, thanks very much to you both. Just like the library! Just like the library!